and he's got your need in his heart. He knows just what you have need of. He knows how big your issue is. He knows how little it is. My God, he can do anything. He's God this morning. He's God this morning. Who can stand up against him? Is his hand too short? Hallelujah. Can it not reach your need today? Yes, he can reach our needs. The issue is we get between him and his hand. Our flesh, our carnal thinking gets in the way. Well, you know what? I didn't pray enough this week and I didn't read my Bible enough this week. And you know what, Papa? I didn't talk to enough people about Jesus to week. I guess this week, hallelujah, he can't meet my need. Well, it sounds like to me you're full of your own insufficiencies instead of trusting God Almighty. And how can I say that? Experience talks. Hallelujah. I can just only speak from my own experience. And there have been countless times, Sister Hannah, that I let my own conception and thoughts about my life and my insufficiencies and my failures stand in the way of what I would allow God to do for me. So I'm going to encourage you this morning. I'm going to exhort you to get yourself out of God's way this morning. And say, here I am. I'm just me, God. I'm sorry for whatever insufficiencies or failures or omissions or commissions or whatever. Just put all of that under the blood this morning, Father. And take me like I am. Shape me a little bit more. Mold me a little bit more. Make me into the vessel and person you created me to be. And then believe Him to do it. And don't go back to the stinking thinking. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, He's here this morning. He came this morning for relationship. He came this morning to restore some things. Maybe it's just our own thinking that needs to be cleaned up and restored. Because I promise you, He never moved away from you. He never moved away from me. We might have moved away from Him, but He never moved. And so all we have to do this morning is take that step forward. Hallelujah. And step right back up and say, you know what, Father? Here I am. Here I am. I don't want to miss out, God. I don't want to miss out on your kingdom. I don't want to miss out on your strength. I don't want to miss out on your purpose. I don't want to miss out, God, on your plan. I don't want to fall short. I don't want to fail. I don't want to be not good enough. Just take all my filthy rags, God, that, that, that righteousness of self that's no good, and replace it, cleanse it with your blood. Put me in right standing today, God. Yes. And let me start today yes. to be that vessel you created me to be. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Maybe you don't need that. Maybe none of you need that. Maybe it's just for me. And if that's the case, I thank you for tolerating me this morning. Yes. Because I love God. I love Him, Sister Ann. There's nobody like Him. Nothing that compares with who He is. His greatness, His mightiness, His love, His peace. There's nothing, nothing, nothing that compares. And nothing will fill that place in your heart and life that He has to fill. Nothing will do. There are no substitutes for God. You might have idols. But there are no substitutes for God. Nothing can take His place. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord this morning for the way that He's blessed me. You know, I believe the Bible says the Lord inhabits the praises of His people. And I just love Him and I want to praise Him this morning. In the harvest field now ripen There's a work for all to do Hear the voice of God now calling To the heart is calling you Little as much if God is in it Labor not for wells are faint There's a crown And you can win it If you go In Jesus' name If the place You're called to labor Seems so small and little known it is great if God is in it and he'll not forsake his own little as much if God is in it labor not for wealth or fame, there's a crown and you can win it. And you go in Jesus' name. When our life down here is ended and our work on earth is done he will say if we are faithful enter in my child well done little is much if God is in it labor not for wealth or fame There's a crown And we can win it If we'll go In Jesus' name There's a crown And we can win it If we'll go in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Sister Ann, come here. I just feel you come up here and say something for the Lord. Come on. Open your heart. Thank you, Lord.
Jason. Sit down. Well, Sister Kathy, the Lord was talking to you this morning. It took a long time and a lot of struggle and prayer this morning, but he touched me. I'm 82 years old, and I've been touched many times by the Lord with his mercy and with his grace and with his healing power, with his goodness and his love, and from being absent many times to my knowledge. But he's never failed me, but I didn't always know that. So I've walked long path. But what came to me was, He leadeth me. He leadeth me. He leadeth me by His own hand. He leadeth me. He leadeth me. He leadeth me. By his own hand he leadeth me. Today, he led me to restoration. You know, just like Sister Kathy said earlier, we tried, we want to make sure that we're not missing God or anything else. (laughs) You know, sometimes the world too, but when it comes with the Lord we always put on our goodness and our mercy and I'm very great at loving kindness and I put that on so many times before the Lord but today right back there in prayer I finally had to admit that I had come to the end of myself He has led me. He's never failed me. And I don't believe that I have particularly, purposefully failed Him. But there comes a time in every person's life, I do believe that the Lord lets you see one more time you're not going to make it without Him. And He's ever fresh, but yet, At times, he's far away to let you know that, yes, he's leading you, but you try to take the reins as soon as he leads, and we're good to go again, God. We got this. My mental ascent has slayed me, and I have given mental ascent to so many things of God. And I think today he showed me that He'd been telling me for about a week now that what we're striving for is a heart relationship, a heart knowledge, a heart. The kingdom of God comes from our heart. It's within us. And I didn't understand it, but I thought I did. But nevertheless, he showed me this morning that I don't know what I believe from my heart, but today he showed me that there's more if I will just 
not try to do it myself, not try to be good enough, not try to pray enough, not try to understand and say the right thing at the right time, which I never have, but nevertheless, all of that to say, at the end of the prayer, right at the very, I, it was like, I was praying the best I knew how, and I was ready to go into more prayer. And then he touched me. He touched me. He changed me right there today. I've been so crying out for it, but I didn't know how. And I didn't have to know how. It was him. He did it. I couldn't pray a prayer good enough. I couldn't pray a prayer long enough according to the word. I could not believe that God anymore. Nothing. He had to touch me. And he touched me today. And I and who didn't you sister I'm pointing at you, but you know, you spoke from God. You said today God is about relationship. He's came to to renew and our relationship with him just with him we're never going to understand anything about his kingdom we're never going to understand anything about his nature until he shows it to us and he's not going to show it to us now wait hold on now i'm preaching i'm not doing that anymore I don't know when he'll show it to us, shall we put it that way. But he will, because he is the faithful one. So, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. How many is ready for the word this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's stand to your feet if you would. We like to say we appreciate each and every one who's come out this morning. We welcome you for the whole heart this morning. We welcome you with our whole heart this morning. We want you to receive the word. You know, a lot of people goes around different churches because they know some ministers prophesize and gives word. But did you know in the preaching of the word, whenever the preacher is ministered on the word, God is talking to you then. But a whole lot of people won't receive it when it comes from a message. But the message that the pastor is going to give you has done been given to him. So he's going to give it to us. So if you want a word from God this morning, just open your hearts, your minds, your spirits, and receive our pastor with, with the word of God this morning. Give him a hand clap of praise this morning. Thank you, Lord. Would you just bow your heads? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Precious Heavenly Father, by your name Jesus, Lord, we ask you to overshadow this congregation today. Let it be, Lord, that you give every one of us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand what the Spirit is speaking to the church Lord, I feel such a deep, deep working of your Spirit 
such a moving of the Holy Ghost Lord we need that visitation of your spirit to kindle the fire let it be so that the word that is spoken in this place today that every eye can see every ear can hear and every heart can understand what the Spirit is speaking in Jesus name we ask it to be so Lord Amen, Amen. you can go ahead and be seated I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord today and we're excited about what God's doing. I'm going to tell you, this has been a, a great week for me. We've seen God do great things. We, had a, we started a Bible study at our house in Conyers, Georgia on Thursday morning. And I tell you, we've been seeing God do some great things, reveal the Word. But at 3.30 Saturday morning, yesterday morning, the Lord woke me up and started dealing with me about a baptism of the Holy Ghost in tongues of fire that's getting ready to come on this generation. Now, I'm not talking about what they got at Pentecost. I'm talking about something greater. You know, the Bible tells us that the glory of the latter house shall be greater than that of the former. So they got something on the day of Pentecost. But there's got to be something revealed in a greater glory. And if I can get in this word, I'm going to have to use that other mic. This thing is... Give me that other mic, Brother Don. No. While we can't get our sound set, we'll get it set, and then we go use it Sunday, and it... It gets crazy on us. If I can get this word out... Give me a little bit of volume. If I can get this word out the way God revealed it to me, I believe that some of you are going to see there's something on the move by the Spirit of God. You know, I've been serving God and preaching the gospel 45 years this year. And when God saved me and I surrendered my life to Him, there was a fire started burning in me. You couldn't keep me still. You couldn't keep me quiet. You couldn't hold me down. And everywhere I went, there was something in me that witnessed to people what God had done in my life. When I started preaching, I started believing God to do what He said in that Bible. I started laying hands on the sick. I started teaching people about a Jesus that would save them, heal them, and deliver them, set them free, and make them whole. And I saw God start doing it. And I've seen him do it for 45 years. But the Lord has always put something in my spirit. There's something greater than what we got. There's something greater than what we got. There's something in more depth. There's something greater. And there's a visitation of the Spirit of God that is upon us. The Sunday before the eclipse, we was here praying and the Spirit of the Lord come on me down on my knees. And he spoke to me. He said, when that eclipse starts, He said, I'm driving out and blotting out all the old. And He said, when that eclipse gets full, 
He said, I'm going to blot out all the old doctrine and the old teaching that's hindered my people. He said, as that sun goes out the other way. He said, that moon goes out the other way. He said, I'm bringing in a newness of my spirit and a refreshing of the Holy Ghost. And the Spirit of the Lord fell on me right here. And God spoke about a baptism of the Holy Ghost in tongues of fire. And I'm ready for something fresh and new in God. Are you ready for something fresh and new in God? I'm ready for something fresh and new. And I'm going to take this word and I'm going to break it down. And I taught this in our Bible study Thursday morning. And the Lord uh, started dealing with me to start putting these prophecies. I still need a little volume, sir. Start putting these prophecies on YouTube. We've got our own YouTube channel. There's about five of these prophecies posted on our YouTube channel. And the one God spoke right here in church ain't about two minutes long. But it lets people know there's coming a baptism. Something we ain't never had. Something this generation, our generation's never walked in. Because I'm going to tell you something. The Holy Ghost fell on the early church. They went out with what they had. They turned, the Bible said, they turned the world upside down. That's what it said. That, man, they got so upset with Paul and, and they went to the uh, officials and they said, these men that have turned the world upside down have come to our city also. Aren't you ready to see God uh, turn this world upside down? Uh, save souls. Y'all mark my words. I'm telling you. Uh, those of you been sitting under this word, you better get ready. Because uh, Peter stood up the first day uh, after the Holy Ghost fell on him uh, and 3,000 got saved. Uh, 3,000 got saved. Uh, and then they begin to go uh, from house to house in the temple, uh, breaking bread, uh, preaching the apostle and prophet's doctrine. Uh, and they begin to have signs and wonders uh, and miracles uh, and great deliverance. Uh, and somebody has got to be ready to step in ministry. I'm not worried about preaching to crowds. I preach to crowds on the mission field. I preach to crowds in this country. I've stood before anywhere from thirty to 100,000 on the mission field in India. Stood before hundreds, if not thousands, in the Philippines and Central, South America. Used to go out in the banana groves and fire up generators down in Honduras. You'd have 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 people standing out in the dark. You didn't even know you was preaching to them. But yet they came and God healed, God saved, God delivered, God worked mighty miracles. You stay there four or five days and time the word got out, you'd have seven, eight, nine, ten thousand people. I could start with two or three thousand in India, stay there five or six days. And time the word got out and people started coming, I'd have thirty, forty, fifty thousand. God be opening blind eyes and unstopping deaf ears, loosening dumb tongues and saving people. I say, Brother Metter, why ain't it happening here? Uh, people too indoctrinated uh, they too bound with religion uh, they too bound uh, to get in the worship uh, and expect God to do something new uh, my God is doing a new thing uh, my God is doing a new thing uh, and there is a freshness uh, of a baptism of the Holy Ghost uh, it's getting ready to fall but you got to be ready for it you got to be ready for it hallelujah this lady right here, her mama established this church in 1947. 
1937, they started having meeting out here in Brush Harbors. And y'all ever know what Brush Harbor meetings are? Anybody ever been to one? I preached in them. They started having Brush Harbor meetings out here. It started in 1937, had Brush Harbor meetings for 10 years. Then they finally built the church. But you know what happened when they started having them Brush Harbor meetings? God started pouring out the Holy Ghost. People started getting what they call old-fashioned baptized in the Holy Ghost. You know, I think some people got too dignified now to refer to themselves as holy rollers. But Spirit used to fall and it fell in such a strength and fell in such a power, people get on the ground and roll. Now, if y'all ain't ever been in them meetings, I have. I preached tent revivals for 22 years. And I've seen the Spirit of God get on people, and I've seen them get out in the sawdust and roll. I'm talking about sinner folks. I'm talking about drug addicts. I'm talking about alcoholics. I'm talking about prostitutes. I, I'm talking about people bound by the devil, I, bound by depression and all kind of sickness and disease. I, I've seen the power of God fall on them. I, and I, I've seen them just get out and roll in the sawdust and coming up shouting and praising God because the Lord healed them and set them free. That's the kind of move I'm talking about. I, but what God's doing now I, and what God's getting ready to do, it's going to go beyond what happened at Pentecost. You say, are you sure about that? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. And I'm going to try to get into this word because I'm not just telling you something to get you excited. I believe God's given me the word that I can establish in the word. You know, I like I said, I've been serving God 45 years this year and I've got in the word and through prayer and fasting and seeking God God's opened my understanding to a lot of things in the Word. And I preached a service down in 2010 at a minister's conference. And man, I mean, I upset everybody. I've never been under doctrine. I've never been under uh, things people believe, you know, that they so strict on. And man, I preached a, a, a service in that camp meeting. And I had about 90% of the folks mad at me. So me and my wife come home, and she went in there in the dining room. She got out two or three Bibles, two or three concordances. I don't know what all she had, different translations of the Bible. She had them spread all over the table. And I'd come through the house, and she'd be in there studying. She said, come here. I said, okay. She'd read me something. I said, okay. She said, but that wasn't what I was taught. I said, well... What does the Word say? Ain't what she's taught. So what does the Word say? So what does that Word of God say? It's the bottom line. It ain't what you're taught. It ain't your doctrine. It ain't your teaching. Does it line up with that Word of God? Does it line up with that righteous, holy, unadulterated, undefiled Word of God? Does it line up? And does your life line up with that Word? care what you've been taught we went through that for about three or four weeks she'd get a question if I wasn't in the house if I, she'd come track me down See, tell me what that means right there I'd tell her she said that ain't what I was taught I said what I told you line up with the word yeah I said what's the word say What's the word say? You gotta stick with the word. You gotta stick with the word. 
Amen. You got to stick with the word. Because God reveals himself. God evolves in you in wisdom and knowledge and understanding. You don't start out with a full knowledge and revelation of the working of the Spirit of God in your life. You got to grow. You got to grow. And that's what I want to talk about today. If you want to hand those out, I've got. Now, what I do here almost every week is I'll spend three or four days praying and studying and writing commentary, and I'll pass them out to the people. And these ain't for you to uh, look at and lay them on the bench or take them home and throw them in the trash. They're for you to study. They're for you to study. If you'll study and pray and seek the mind of the Lord for the wisdom and the truth of the Word, God will reveal something in you. I said, God will reveal something in you. Because one thing, I've never stayed still in God. I've always had a desire to grow. I've always had a desire to hunger and thirst after the depths and the righteousness of God. And if we need more copies, we can print some. Uh, you people that are members here, if y'all, uh, if we need extra copies to our visitors. But I'm going to start out with this. And some of these scriptures may not be in here. But what I'm going to start out with is I'm going to start out in the book of Haggai. Or Haggai, however y'all want to pronounce it. And I'm going to start out in the second chapter. And if I step on something you believe or step on something you believe different, don't shut me down. Did y'all hear what I said? Don't shut me down. Listen. You might do what folks used to say. I'll learn you a thing or two. <laughs> now, I'll teach, but you've got to have a desire to learn. You know, it don't matter how smart you are, how capable you are. If you don't have a desire to learn, you can hinder your own growth in the natural. Well, you can get so dogmatic in what you've been taught that you can hinder your growth in the spiritual. Amen? Yeah, you can. Now, Sister Kathy Conrad right here, she come around our meetings back in 2009. And she'd never been around anything like this. And... She started listening to the Word, started praying, started uh, studying the Word and following the instructions that God was giving in some of the service, and it turned her 180 degrees. My sister thought she knew God, knew the mind of God, and knew the leadership of the Holy Ghost, but after about six, seven months of listening, man, God started putting a hard turn on her. <laughs> I'm glad He did, and she's glad He did. But I appreciate everybody being here. Glad to see all our visitors. And I'm glad to have my mother-in-law and my niece with me today and her friend that came with her and Sister Cheryl uh, Brockway. Uh, I wish I'd have known your husband when he first got saved because I think me and him had a kindred spirit. I believe we'd have got together when we first got saved. Man, we'd have set the world on fire for Jesus. I really do. Didn't get to be around him much, but I know God done a dynamic change in his life 
it's good to have her here and her friends. And I just want us to have a good time in the Lord. Amen. I want us to have a good time in the Lord. And so I'm going to start in Haggai, the second chapter. And I'm going to go to the sixth verse. For thus said the Lord of hosts, yet once, it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations. And the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, said the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, said the Lord of hosts. And the glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, said the Lord of hosts, and in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Now I want you to go back with me. I don't think I got it on the paper, but I want you to go back with me to Second Chronicles, the seventh chapter. And for those of y'all who can't find it, Second Chronicles is in the Old Testament. So I'm going to Second Chronicles, the seventh chapter. Thank you, Lord. Man, I feel a working of the Holy Ghost in this place today. Any of you feel the Spirit of God working? I'm going to start at the first verse. Y'all there with me? Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the house and the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Now that was when Solomon built the temple and dedicated it to the Lord. The glory of the Lord come down, the fire of God come down, consume the sacrifices, consume the altar, and here over in Haggai, when Haggai was prophesying, they were building a new temple because the one in Jerusalem had been destroyed when Jerusalem was overthrown. I believe it was Nebuchadnezzar overthrew Jerusalem, broke down the walls, tore down the temple, burned it up, took all the vessels that was dedicated to the Lord out of the temple, and they were excited in Haggai's day that they were rebuilding this house. And Haggai stood up and prophesied, The glory of the latter house shall be greater than that of the former. When we read about the glory in Solomon's temple, but we don't read about a greater glory coming in the temple that was rebuilt, there's no record of there being a greater glory. So I believe Solomon, I mean, I believe Haggai was prophesying about this temple. I believe he's prophesying about this temple. When God poured the Holy Ghost out on the day of Pentecost, we consider that to be the former reign. 
Is that right? Is that the way y'all's taught? That was the former rain. Anybody with me? That was the former rain. And the Lord spoke about three dispensations of the rain in Joel too, and I'm fixing to get there. But he spoke about the former rain, the rain, and the latter rain. But Haggai prophesied and said, The glory of the latter house shall be greater than of the former. So if the day of Pentecost was the former rain and that was the former house, uh, there's something fixing to happen uh, in a latter glory in the latter house uh, and a greater revealing of God's Spirit. Uh, but we got to realize uh, what we're expecting, what we're praying for, uh, and why we're in the place we're in. God ain't just going to do it. He got to have vessels prepared to receive it. Now, I want to go to the book of Joel, the second chapter, and try and take my time. When I get to feeling, you know, a lot of people used to talk about feeling goosebumps. Or feeling hookadoodies go up and down their spine. I don't feel goosebumps. I feel elephant bumps. I feel them biggins. When them things get on me and they get in my feet and they get in my tongue, it's hard sometimes for me to slow down and just teach. But I want you to understand what the Lord's speaking to us. Now, from the book of Joel, the second chapter, and I'm going to the, you can read the 21st chap, uh, verse right on through, but I'm going to the 23rd verse. I want you to pay attention to this. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Now, if any of y'all do any studying, you know that our April is the first month of the Jewish calendar. And years and years ago, when I still evangelize, and Lord put it in my spirit to try to get ministers together in April, get them to come together to pray, study, seek the face of the Lord, and get direction for the new year. Well, I didn't have a place at that time, so I talked to another pastor, and we started having ministers' meetings in April. And several years later, I got a church. The Lord had me found a church in Alabama. So instead of having them there, we started having them uh, at our church in Alabama in April. And I thought, reading this scripture, how the Lord said, I will cause to come down for you the rain, the former and the latter rain, in the first month. I saw somewhere in one of them Aprils, in that first month, that God was going to do something in the Spirit. And I pressed on, and God always done something for us, but it wasn't what I was looking for. And I pressed on God and pressed on God year after year after year. And the Lord had done sent us up here to establish this church, turn the church in Alabama over to our assistant pastor. And I had gone by there one night to, to preach, I think on a Wednesday night. 
And I was sitting in the office and I was studying and the Lord spoke this scripture into my heart. I knew where it was and I turned over there. He said the first month is not the literal first month. He said it's the sign of a new beginning. He said, I am bringing a new beginning among my people. He said, it's a sign of a new beginning. The first month is where everything that's dead and dry, everything the winter has killed, the sap has went down in the vine. He said, everything looks dead, everything looks dry. He said, but in that first month, everything begins to come alive. So we are entering into a new beginning. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Everything old. My God, how long is the church going to keep going? the way she's going. I, I was born in 1952. My dad I, was a Pentecostal preacher. I, I've been raised in Pentecostal holiness churches I, all my life. I, but back then, he was a man of prayer and fasting. I've seen great miracles. I, I grew up in great tent revivals I, that run 15 and 20,000. I've seen every type of miracle happen. I, people turn to the Lord by the hundreds and thousands. I, but yet, something's happened today. I, it ain't happening. Uh, nothing's moving in the spirit of God uh, you don't see uh, a word preached it brings conviction uh, to men's hearts and the fire uh, of the spirit of God begins to uh, burn in them uh, I'm looking for a new beginning uh, I'm looking for something fresh in God uh, and God told me uh, he said uh, you're fixing to go into a new beginning uh, he says start telling people uh, I'm fixing to do something new uh, in the Holy Ghost Y'all know that's what I've been telling folks. So what are you talking about, Brother Metter? I don't know. God just said he's doing something new. Back on September the 4th of last year, right here in this church, the Lord spoke. These prophecies on our YouTube channel, you can go listen to them. But the very first thing the Lord spoke, he said, this day, I change the course of man in the earth and God spoke for about 15 or 20 minutes what he was doing man I got to study in that thing praying I said for God to change the course of man I said he fixing change some things how long you been saved well when did you, when did you have your experience with God back in the 70's but you got away from God. I'm talking about when God brought you back and really started working in 92, 93, 93. Have you seen much change in the church since 93? You seen much happening? Have you seen the book of Acts move? Have you seen God pour out the Holy Ghost with tongues of fire? Have you seen blind eyes see, deaf ears hear, dumb tongues loosed? Have you seen people give their heart to the Lord 3,000 at a time like they did on the day of Pentecost? you seen them go from house to house. Somebody asked me, and I asked the Lord one time, I said, Lord, why did they go from house to house? He said, 3,000 got saved the first day. He said, they didn't have a church big enough to put them in. He said, so they had to go minister house to house till they got a, a church building big enough to put them in. I said, makes sense to me. Some of y'all going to slip up in a minute and smile, and it's going to be all right. But he poured out his spirit on them. Peter stood up and preached. 3,000 turned their lives over to the Lord and got baptized in one day. 
And then it says they went on and they continued from house to house, breaking bread and in the temple every day. And such as should be saved was added to the church daily. When have we seen folks added to the church daily? Do we see them added monthly? Do we see them added yearly? Maybe. My first meeting in Honduras in 1982, I'd been preaching probably full-time about four years. And I seen more people saved in one altar service in a banana grove than I'd seen preaching in America in four years. I saw more miracles in one service in a banana grove than I'd seen in America preaching for four years. Because there's hungry. There's hungry. Are you hearing me? There's hungry. Now, I want you to notice in that scripture right there, Joel 2 and 23, it says, Fear not, O land, rejoice and be glad, for the Lord will do great things, for he hath given. Anybody know your English grammar? Hath given is past tense said he hath given you the former rain moderately you look the word moderately up it means restrained in certain limits and of a medium quantity so when God poured the Holy Ghost out on the day of Pentecost they didn't get the fullness of that former rain they got a moderate measure they got a moderate measure Yet that moderate measure that they had sent them from house to house. Had great signs, wonders, and miracles in just that moderate measure. But he said, I've given you, I, ha I have given. That means it already happened. Uh, he already said, I've given you the former rain moderately. Uh, the former rain that was given uh, was given moderately. Uh, it was given in a earnest uh, or a measure. Follow with me. I may have to get my big plow out and plow a little harder. Because I know what people have been taught. When you got the Holy Ghost, you got it all. You got everything you needed. I've seen people go to church, repent, get saved, get a earnest of the Spirit of God and then fight against the sin nature that had them bound. And preachers keep telling them, well, you got what you need. Just pray. You got what you need. And when they don't know how to fight and they don't know how to enter in to what God's wanting to work in them and they're not taught how to come into a relationship with God, they'll fight it for so long then they'll give up and quit. Have y'all seen that? I've seen it. And you know why it happened? Because we didn't understand. I've never heard anybody preach like I'm preaching today. That there is a fullness of the former rain. There is a fullness that the church did not get on that day. There's a fuller measure. And that's what we're fixing to get in this baptism. We're fixing to get the fullness of the former rain. Y'all following with me? Am I making sense to you? Let's go to 2 Corinthians, the first chapter. We're 
Well, I just feel like something good's about to happen. Woo! Got something turning in my soul today. Say, Brother Metter, why are you preaching this? Because God told me He's going to cause to come down for us the rain, the former and the latter rain in this first month or in this new beginning. But I'm going to tell you, if we don't possess the fullness of the former rain, we can't move on to the latter rain. If we don't possess the fullness of what God wants us to have and what God has put it out there for us to have, we can't move on to the latter rain. Are y'all hearing me? We can't do it. It'd be like taking going all the way to the 6th grade and jumping to the 12th grade and then trying to graduate college. No, there's got to be edifying. There's got to be teaching. There's got to be a time to learn. There's got to be a time commissioned for you to grow in God. Even the Bible says in Luke the 2nd chapter that Jesus waxed strong in spirit and grew in wisdom and statue uh, and favor with God and man. Is that what the word says? Well, if he got to do it, then maybe we need to do it. You know, they had a board game back when I was growing up, and I don't know if any of y'all remember it or not. It was called Go to the Head of the Class. Any of y'all remember that? It was a board game. You could play it, and you could answer the right question. Go all the way to the top of the top of the class. Well, God don't play. Go to the head of the class. God may work something in your life, but I'm going to tell you something. Whatever God works in your life, you got to learn to use it. You got to learn to adapt to it. And I'm not trying to be long preaching, but I want you to understand. The Lord gave me a vision back in, I think it was 2012. I was preaching in Savannah, Georgia, and while I was preaching, the Lord took me in an open vision. And in that open vision, I walked into a room. In that room, I knew everything about it. I knew every bump on the floor, every nick on the wall, every crack in the ceiling. I knew everything about it. I'd been in it so many times, I knew everything about it. And then all of a sudden, there's a door appeared back in the left-hand side, back in the left-hand corner. And I walked over that door, and I opened it up. There was another room there. had a whole wall full of doors. I walked over and opened the door. There was another room with a wall full of doors. Opened the door beside it. There was another room with a wall full of doors. And the Lord spoke to me and said, The unsearchable riches of Christ. And when I seen that room in, in, in the beginning of the vision, He said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. And the Lord said, those mansions ain't mansions up in heaven. He said, they're wealthy places in the Spirit. In my Father's house. And I got news for y'all. Jesus was His Father's house. Well, if I can't get an amen, somebody give me an old me. <laughs> and so I thought that was all there was to the vision. You know, I've had God speak to me and tell me something, and two or three years later he'd tell me something else, and then two or three years later, and he would he would tie it all together, and it might last a period of seven, eight, ten years. Because I had to come to where I could understand what God was revealing. So somewhere in 2014, I believe it was, 
I was there at the house studying, and I usually sit in the office, and I'm, I've got a program on my laptop. I look up scriptures, and I'll study out the definitions, study out what the words mean, and ask God to reveal it to me. And I was sitting there, and the Lord reminded me of the vision that I'd had two years before in Savannah. He said, that room was the anointing that you minister in. He said, you know everything about the working of the Spirit. He said, you've been there many times. He said, boy, when I set that door in front of you, he said, I opened up a realm to a new anointing. He said, but it's up to you to walk in it. He said, you can stay right where you're at. You'll still preach. You'll have, still have good services. You may even have some healings and some miracles. I'll still use you in the gifts. He said, but if you choose to walk through that door, he said, there's anointing and a power and a working of my spirit on the other side of that door you've never entered into. God don't want us to stay where we're at. It's not God's mind for him to give us something and us not use it to the full potential or find out or grow in what God wants to reveal in us. Everybody's different. Do you know God calls you according to your temperament? God puts the personality and the temperament in you according to the calling He's called you for, according to what He's chosen you to do. God's put it in your personality to have what it takes to possess that calling. And I was praying late last night. Any of y'all ever heard the Scripture, quoted or read it? You work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? You ever read that? That means once God saves you, you work out your own relationship and your calling and your walk with God in fear and trembling. Because once you get saved, once you submit yourself to the Lord, then you've got to walk in that salvation. So you've got to work out your own relationship with God in fear and trembling and let God take you where He wants to take you. It does matter where you attend church. It does matter what you listen to. It does matter what goes in your heart and your spirit and your mind. It does matter. It does matter. That's why it is important to have your own one-on-one relationship with God and learn the leadership of the Spirit that He can lead you where you need to be because you can get under the wrong teaching you can get under the wrong church you can get under the wrong pastor and it can shipwreck the call of God in your life and somewhere it can spiritually destroy you it can you might make it to heaven I don't want to just make it to heaven I want to possess the call and the anointing that God has for me while I'm on this earth. I want to possess the kingdom of heaven. And in 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, and I'm going to start at the 21st verse. Now he which established us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who has sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Now that word seal there is not like a pressure cooker seal. That is in those days 
if a king made a decree or made a law, they would seal it up and they would pour hot wax on those pages where it come together and that king had a ring or a signet. He would seal that. And if that seal was broken, they knew that it had been opened and altered. So God has marked us and given us the earnest, which is a portion. Am I making sense to anybody today? See, what the early church got was a portion of the former reign. They had to grow in it. When Paul had his experience, God blinded him and he stayed three days and three nights without eating or drinking. And then Ananias come to him and laid his hands on him. God opened his eyes. And he told Paul, he said, Arise, wash away your sins. So he took him and he baptized him. Scales fell off Paul's eyes. Paul immediately, all that word he had studied all them years, all the word of the law, everything uh, that he had so zealously went out uh, and slaughtered the church, uh, slaughtered the, the new move uh, of the Holy Ghost with because he thought he was doing God's service. Uh, see, people can't see persecution coming. Uh, let me tell you something. Persecution came uh, when that happened in the book of Acts. Uh, it's going to come when it happens to us. Uh, are you hearing me? There's fixing to be a great persecution uh, against this new move uh, of the Holy Ghost because uh, it's going to be greater. Uh, it's going to be more powerful. It's going to cause more uh, upsetness. It's going to cause more turning uh, of things upside down. Uh, it's going to breathe new life. Uh, and especially, uh, it's fixing to get our young people. But that king would seal that. It was his mark. You've been marked. You've been marked. But he's also put the earnest. Look the word earnest up. I put it in them notes. It means a portion, a down payment. You go buy a car, you might put down 10%, 20%. You buy, used to, you buy a house, you had to put down 20%. And that's what they call earnest money. That was a portion. God has given us an earnest of His Spirit that He wants us to grow into. When Paul got what happened to him, he turned Damascus upside down and the governor of Damascus put a execution order out on Paul's head. He wanted to kill him. So one night a couple of disciples got this big basket, put it on a rope, lowered Paul down over that wall. And then Paul run for his life and went into the Arabian desert and sought God for three and a half years he said I got to understand what's happened to me I got to understand this revelation when God ministers something into your life don't think you know it don't assume you know it you know sometimes we think because we've served God so many years and God speaks to us we already know what God's telling us no be still something the Lord told me for years is be still and know that I'm God be still and know that I'm God. I hope I'm making sense to somebody today. See, we've been, we've been going forth and we, we, I've heard people confess. I've preached I, on, on the Holy Ghost and tell people something new's coming. I've had preachers come to me. You don't know what you're talking about. I said, really? Yes, sir. I got the Holy Ghost and there ain't nothing else to get. I said, oh, really? Yes, sir, I got what they got on the day of Pentecost. I said, how'd you do that? 
He said, well, I got in the altar and repented and prayed, and I got what fell on the day of Pentecost. I said, really, that dispensation ended probably 100, 150 years after God poured it out. I said, it wasn't poured out very long. That was the dispensation of the former reign. If you didn't live there, you didn't get that. No, that ain't true. I got what they got on the day of Pentecost. I said, you did? He said, yeah. I said, well, where's the manifestation of it? Why ain't what happened in the book of Acts happening in you? If you got what they got, show me the fruit of it. Well, 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 I got it. I said, okay. He said, I just got to learn how to use it. I said, how long have you been serving God and preaching? He said, oh, about 40 years. I had quit talking to him, Brother Elder. I made that and so mad I thought he wanted to fist fight. Because when he said that, I said, hmm, slow learner, ain't you? He said, Brother Matt, you did. Before the Lord, I did. Now, when it comes to God, in the natural, I walk a mile out of the way. Keep hurting your feelings. I care about people. I love people. I don't want to do anything to hurt your feelings. But when it comes to this word, and the Spirit of God gets on me, I'll chew you up, spit you out, and put you back together again. That's just the way I am with the Spirit of God. Because I don't believe in lying to people. I don't believe in cutting corners. I don't believe in sidestepping. I believe people need to know the truth of what's going on, why they're not getting anywhere in their walk with their relationship with God and what's happening to them. And they need to face the facts of why they can't get in that relationship with God that they need. Well, look around, Brother Matter. You're just preaching to a handful. Y'all think I'm worried about this? I preached in auditoriums across Canada. Had 1,000, 1,500 people. Preached tent meetings up there. Preached tent meetings all over this country. Run four, five, hundred, sometimes for two and three weeks. Had great miracles. But see, I was preaching faith. That's all I was preaching was salvation, healing, and deliverance. But when I got down, God called me to pastor. I started getting on doctrine. I started getting down where people live. Now, you start getting down where people live, they're going to back up on you. They are. They're going to back up on you. My dad lived to be 88 years old, and he got the Holy Ghost in 48. Him mama got the Holy Ghost, didn't know nothing about it. Got the Holy Ghost. My mama will be 93 if the Lord lets her live to December 2018. She'll have had the Holy Ghost 70 years. That's a testimony. And I've seen my mama pray and study that word her whole life and live by that word, do her best to live by that word because she believed it. And my daddy, he used to preach straight back in the younger days. He didn't do a lot of preaching in his older days, but in his younger days, he'd preach, and he said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, man, you start getting down where people live, said they back up on you. And he had this old saying, and some of y'all out in the country may have heard of it. He said, when you preach like that, it's work. And he said, even mules back up to that. So sometimes when you get down where folks live, it turns out to be work. Because people just freeze up on you. 
It's up to you whether you serve God or not. It ain't my job to come around and check whether you're serving God or not. I used to work with a preacher over in Alabama. We'd done some tent revivals together. And then he started a church, and he'd go check up on folks. He'd walk up on people's porch and look in the window see if they had the TV on or not or see what kind of music. I said, that ain't my job. I'm supposed to preach the Word. It's up to you to believe it and live it. I ain't supposed to run around after you. But there's one thing about it. You come ask me something about the Word, I'm going to tell you the truth. I ain't going to sidestep it. I ain't going to soft soap it. I ain't going to smooth it over. I'm going to tell you the truth. And I'm going to tell you why your life's in a mess if it's in a mess. And what you need to do, get things in God's order. Because it ain't what you think. You know, I've, I, I, over 45 years of preaching, I've counseled people, and people always want to tell me what they think. I said, where in God's Word does it tell you that you and God's thoughts agree? Where in God's Word does it tell you that you and God's ways agree? God said in Isaiah 55, He said, My thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and my ways are higher than your ways. As high as the heavens is from the earth, that's how much higher my ways are than your ways, and my thoughts and your thoughts. And usually the first thing I ask them, whether they come to me or my wife, there's one thing about it, you come to me, you say, Brother Metter, I need to talk to you in confidence. If you're a man, that's good. I'll talk to you one-on-one. If you're a woman, my wife's going to be present. But I'll ask people. I said, now, you want to talk to me? One-on-one, that's fine. Do you want my wife to be present? Do you want another brother? But No, I just want to talk to you, Brother Matter. I said, all right, you know one thing. It's not going outside these walls for me and you talk. And the first thing... We ask them, how's your prayer life? How's your relationship with God? Because it's usually because people don't have a relationship with God. They slacked up in their relationship with God. That's when they start getting in trouble. I ain't telling you you ain't going to go through things. I'll tell you one right out firsthand. You're going to go through things if you walk with God. Paul said in Acts 14.22, he said, Through much tribulation, we're going to enter into the kingdom of God. And I've been through some hard things. Lord showed me something about a man, and I finally sent him a message yesterday. This has been several weeks, and i just been praying for him. The Lord said, No, you get in touch with him. You tell him what I showed you. So I seen this man walking down a road, kind of had his back to me. He's on a country road. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, I'm fixing to bring him to a sudden stop. I didn't see nothing in front of him. It's like he hit an invisible brick wall. And you, wham, just come to a sudden stop. I said, now. I said, I prayed for you and asked God to show me what it was. I said, but God ain't showed me. I said, but I can tell you one thing. There's three times in my life that God's brought me to a sudden stop. And I said, every time God did, I said, He drastically changed my life and drastically changed my course in the ministry. I said, so 
Don't take it as a judgment. You know, I, I was raised with everything bad happened to you, the devil caused it. And y'all raised that way? Boy, I tell you what, if that's the case, Paul sure got cheated, didn't he? <laughs> because when God has a purpose for your life and got a, a especially a call, or you're a chosen vessel, God's going to test you. He's going to try you. And He's going to see if what you go through, you're going to keep your faith. You're going to keep your relationship with Him. If God can't trust you to keep your relationship with Him through the hard times, He don't need you. You know, years back, and I know we've all, any of y'all ever prayed and told the Lord, or you ever been in prayer, or you just been worshiping God, said, Lord, I love you, I trust you. You ever told the Lord you trusted Him? I told the Lord that one time, and I heard the voice of the Lord speak right in here. He said, but can I trust you? I said, hello. Can I trust you? So Paul is teaching here. He said, you've received an earnest of the Spirit. In other words, you've received a measure. I want to go over to Hebrews, the fifth chapter. And if I'd have thought about it, I'd have set this demonstration up. But I preached years ago. We we first founded our church in Alabama. And I was preaching one night, and the Lord showed me something in the Spirit and gave me a demonstration. I took two, like, coffee mugs, only they they were clear. You could see through them. Poured them both full of hot water. Had a mark on both of them. Poured them both up to the line. Put a tea bag in one, put a tea bag in the other, and kept preaching. A few minutes, I went over and put another tea bag in one, left the one tea bag in the other. Every four or five minutes or so, I'd go over and put another tea bag in that one cup. After I had about seven or eight in there, I began to work it around pulled it out and then the one that had one in it I pulled it out and I held the one with the one up and you could see through it held the one that had the six or seven tea bags in it it was so dark you couldn't see through it I said now they both had the same measure in quantity but they didn't have the same measure in strength I said it's not being full of the Holy Ghost It's what strength, what wisdom, what knowledge, what understanding, what authority and dominion of the Spirit. You have the same quantity that the other cup had, but still be very weak. Amen. Anybody coffee drinkers? You like your coffee? Man, I do mine. You ever had a weak cup of coffee? Yeah, I ain't gonna blame that on Sister Deborah. No, it's about another story. You ever had a strong cup of coffee? Could you tell the difference? You know, sometimes we'll go out to eat, and if I order a glass of tea, I want a glass of tea. I don't want a glass of water. 
that looked like they took the tea bag and stuck it in it and yanked it back out. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You bring me a glass of tea like that. I'll tell you, take it back and give me a glass of tea. Yeah, I have done it. I've looked at waitress. I said, ma'am, I ordered a glass of tea. Well, that is a glass of tea. I said, ma'am, that ain't a glass of tea. That's colored water. Bring me a glass of tea. And my point is the strength. The strength. So Paul preached. We had received an earnest or a portion of the Spirit. Joel prophesied, He hath given you the former rain in moderation, in a measure. Okay? So, you can be full of something and still not have the strength of it. Still not have the measure of that you need to do what God's called you to do. Making sense? So here about three or four weeks ago, the Lord started dealing with me. He said, there is a fullness of what I poured out on the day of Pentecost that very few in the church ever obtained. He said, now that I'm showing you that there's fixing to be a new beginning... And I'm going to pour out the rain, the former, and the latter rain. He said, my people need to understand that there's a fuller measure. There's a full strength of the former rain that the church has never received. I believe Paul got it. I believe Peter got it. I believe there were some men and vessels of God that did get it, but the church as a whole didn't get it. I'll show you why. Let's look right here in Hebrews 5. Verse 12. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. Now the principles are the basics. That's what you taught and you get saved. That's what you learned. That, that's your basics. And are become... As such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the Word. Did y'all know the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit? Do you know if you are unskillful in how to use that sword, the devil can wear you out? And I know people have been going to church 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years. They're still unskillful in the Word and they don't know how to wield the sword of the Spirit. And it's because you can't get them to stay in relationship. Now, y'all understand, I'm not criticizing. I'm trying to point something out to you because there's something coming that God wants to give us that no generation's ever had. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. For strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age or that are mature even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil let's go on to chapter 6 therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ principles are the basics and I'm, prob I'm not following the paper verbatim 
let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrines of baptisms, of the laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this will we do, if God permit. First thing Paul said there, let's leave the basics. 10, 12, 15 years down the road, you ought to have more in you than just the basics. You ought to have more in you than just every time something happens, you go repent. But your foundation is laid repentance unto dead works because you're not overcoming. If something's always throwing you down, you're not overcoming. If you're having to meet the same force or power or carnality or whatever Satan set up in your life, if you're having to meet that same spirit, repent, get baptized, and then start all over again, you're laying a foundation of faith to dead works because you ain't got any victory. I've seen people for years. Now, every now and then, I'll get rebaptized in water. But I don't go to the altar and repent for something I've done wrong, get rebaptized, and then turn around three or four months later and do it again. That's dead works. Will y'all agree with me on That's dead works. Every time you go to church, Pentecostal church, I didn't say that out loud, did I? Every time you go to church, you know they come out with a song back in the 80s or the 90s. I absolutely hated that thing. Crank up the music. Let's have church. Because that's about what happens now. They crank up the music. They've got to where now they call it worshiptainment. <laughs> Worship and entertainment mixed. We visited a church here about a month or so ago. A lady that attends there had been in my tent meeting in Jasper, Alabama in 2012. She'd seen a lot of miracles, a lot of deliverance. Her husband's sick. She wanted me to come preach there. I said, before I go preach there, I'm going to find out what's going on. So we slipped in one night. Church was packed to the walls. Probably 100 people close to it, if not more. They sang for an hour and a half. The preacher got up and couldn't even preach 15 minutes and gave nothing to help the people grow in God. I'm hard on preachers. <laughs> I'm not meaning to judge, but I'm hard on preachers because I've seen so many of them mess people up, shipwreck them. I'm hard on preachers. And all over the church, people were moving, laughing, talking, talking to one another, going in and out, restroom. And every time somebody wanted to sing, they just go up front and sing. They didn't wait on no, they didn't wait to be asked. They didn't wait on no leadership of the Spirit. They just walked up and sang. I said, Lord God, this ain't even controlled chaos. It was just chaos. I said, you can't have a relationship with God in that kind of atmosphere. They've been trying to get me for two or three months to come preach. Ain't no way. Brother Meadow, could you go in there and preach? Yeah, but to what avail? Because when I left, the very next week, he'd be right back. They had a man in there that'd come in. He was dying with cancer. 
these people want me to pray for him because they'd seen three or four people heal of cancer in our tent meeting in Jasper in 2012. And they want me to pray for him. And I knew it wasn't going to do any good to pray for him. There wasn't no faith in his heart. I mean, I can discern faith. And he just wasn't going to do any good to pray for him. So the pastor got up and he said, Brother, I'm sorry I ain't come to visit you since you've been sick, but we're going to sing you a song. Don't sing me a song. Find somebody that can pray the prayer of faith for me. You hear me? I don't want you to come sit up all night in my hospital room if something goes wrong. I want you to come, lay hands on me, drive the devil out, and set me back on my feet. Now, I know people got loved ones and relatives. That's what I. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about preachers. This was yeah, this back in the 80s. And I was going somewhere to preach a revival. And so I went through a town and I called a preacher and asked him how he's doing. He said, well, I'm a little tired. Why? He said, I had to spend the night in the hospital sitting up with my sick members. I thought, man, where's your faith? But that's where I was back then. I mean, I was just dogmatic faith. I believed God. Seen a lot of miracles. Seen a lot of people didn't get healed, but I've seen a lot of miracles. So here Paul is teaching, and I'm fixing to give one more scripture, and I'm going to wrap this up. But Paul is saying, when you've served God long enough that you ought to be able to teach the Word, you have the need to be taught again the basics. The very basics. The first principles. You need somebody to teach you again. Because evidently you ain't put into practice what you've been taught. Therefore, your spiritual senses ain't exercised. You still don't know how to discern good and evil. You still can't take the sword of that spirit. Y'all following me? And then in 6 and 1, he said, Therefore, leaving the basics, let us go on. Unto perfection. That word perfection, and everywhere you read perfect or perfection in the New Testament, means complete and mature. You ain't never going to be perfect in people's eyes. I mean, my Lord, you look at Jesus, and some of them looked at Jesus and said, He's got a devil. <laughs> Did they not? So you ain't never going to please people, but you can become mature and complete in Him what He wants to work in your life. Y'all following with me? All right, I got one more scripture. I'm going to 1 Corinthians 13th chapter. And I'm going to read this and exhort on this, and then I'll be bringing it to a close. And, but I'm not, I'm not trying just to be long preaching, but I want you to understand we're in the day of a visitation. There's a working of God's Spirit and an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in tongues of fire fixing to baptize us. And it's going to bring a maturity. It's going to bring a strength that no generation's ever walked in. This is going to go beyond the early church. It's going to go beyond it. How long have I been harping on y'all to get ready that people are coming? For a while. Y'all used to drive an hour and a half to Fort Payne when I pastored down there. And I, I'd, you better get ready. 
The harvest is ripe. God's fixed to start saving souls by the hundreds and by the thousands. One man come to church there, and he told his wife, he said, Man, I had a dream. He said about Brother Metter and the church there in Alabama. He said, man, something happened at church. And he said, I went to the church. And he said, people were standing all the way to the road, which from the front of the church seat about 100 there. And from the road, from the front of the church to the road is probably, what, 50 yards? Thereabout. And he said, people were standing all the way to the road. We got a gravel road goes down beside the church. And he said, cars was parked that way, that way, down beside the church, up and down the road both ways for probably a quarter to a half a mile. He said, I've seen something happen to Brother Metter and said he's bringing people in in wheelchairs, twisted limbs. What we call a paraplegic. And he said, God was straightening their limbs and that's coming out in wheelchairs. He said, Did he said, miracles was happening. And he said, the scene changed and I've seen cars backed up two miles. In, every, in both directions, he said, trying to get to the church. God wasn't showing him me. God was showing him this ministry that's coming toward us. God, is showing, God, God was trying to show him there's an act of God fixing to happen. God ain't going to leave this world to mess it's in. And I'm glad to see all y'all here today. I'm glad y'all didn't leave yesterday. glad the world didn't end there's still much to be done for the kingdom of God there's too many souls too many people bound you know I've traveled the world and I'll travel the world again God showed me great revivals in Australia back in 82 83 showed me revivals like John G. Lake used to have are going to happen again in 2014, the Lord spoke to me about great revivals over in that part, and he gave me a sign of earthquakes in New Zealand. They happened in, in uh, I think one happened in 2015. They had another one in 2016. Showed me a great earthquake in Japan. That one ain't happened yet. All down through them Solomon Islands, and they've had huge earthquakes back in 2015 into early 2016. But the Lord did tell me, that North Korea would have a devastating earthquake. And I'm looking for it because I want this stuff of war silenced. You can't have revival and war. You can't, you can't travel and preach Jesus when everything's in conflict. I want some peace because I preach a gospel of peace. I want to see God settle things down. So you start praying God will settle things down because I see revival coming. I don't want nothing to hinder. Amen. So, I'm in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, and I'm going to the 8th verse. Charity never faileth, but where there be prophecies, they shall fail. Where there be tongues, they shall cease. Where there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. Y'all see that? What was Paul telling us? We've only got a measure. God's only revealed Himself in part. We only prophesy in part. God only uses us in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. July a year ago, I believe, no, it's 
was it 2015, Lisa, or was it last year? I can't even remember. About when the Lord told me that which is perfect has come. A year ago in July, the Lord said that which is perfect has come. He said, I'm revealing the knowledge and the wisdom and the understanding for my people to come into maturity. He said, so that which is perfect, it's come, it's being given. Because Paul was talking about immaturity, was he not? Because when the Spirit of God only dwells in you in a measure, you can't grow to maturity. You can't grow to the perfection or the maturity or the completeness that God wants to reveal in you. So there is a fullness of the former reign that God wants to bring to us. And He's fixing, I'm telling you, He's fixing baptizes. I don't know if it's going to be corporate or it's going to be individual. It may be both. You know, God baptized the disciples in the book of Acts. He, he baptized them corporately, but He baptized Paul individually. And I'm sure after they got baptized corporately, some of them probably had some individual experiences that took them on in a deeper place in God. I don't want to see through a glass darkly anymore. Paul said, when I was a child, I spake as a child, thought as a child. But when I become a man, he said, I put away immaturity. Started growing in God. Started growing up. He said, right now, he said, I see through a glass darkly. I preached this over in Alabama, and I took my sunglasses out, and I put them on. I said, y'all see that? I said, I see through a glass darkly. And then I got somebody else's, and I put another pair on, another pair on, another pair on. Had about five pair time I got through stacking them up front and holding them. I said, I can't hardly see nothing. He said, but then there's coming a day we're going to see him face to face. We're going to know him, even as also we are known. Amen. We're coming into a, a mature day, a mature move. But everybody ain't going to be ready for it. Everybody ain't going to be ready. There are going to be some that's going to fall on. They're going to bring forth 30, some 60, some 90, fold, but there's some going to bring forth 100 fold. The Bible said they're going to bring forth fruit unto perfection. I don't want God to look at me like that gardener looked at that fig tree in Luke 13 said, said the gardener, you see that right there? It's in that same spot and it's been there for several years. He said, I ain't got the first fig off of it. He said, put the axe to it and cut it down. The gardener said, leave it alone one more year. One more year. Let me dig about it and dung it and cultivate it and water it. And then if it don't bring forth fruit, I'll cut it down, put something there that'll grow. I mean, the owner said, why should I keep fertilizing this? Why should I keep paying you to labor over it if it's not going to produce anything? Are we producing anything? Are we producing anything? Because what you what you produce is the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. Produce the nature of Christ. That's the Spirit He's sending in. It's going to start producing His nature. So, two or three different places, Paul admonished us, grow up. Mature, come forward. Joel said, He hath given you the former rain moderately. They didn't get the fullness of it. They didn't get the full measure of this. I believe Peter grew into a fuller measure. I believe Paul grew into a fuller measure. If they got the fullness of it, I don't know. The Word don't say. 
But you know they got something different than what they received at Pentecost. Paul got something different than what he received when Ananias prayed for him. That experience on that road to Damascus, he got something different. Because he grew. Amen. He grew. It's time to grow. Amen. It's time to grow. I hope you all appreciate this word today. Take this word and study it, and I believe you'll study it and run reference. And I encourage people, read your Bibles, study, pray. You want to know if I'm of God or not? Ask Him. (laughs) I ain't afraid of it. Because I know everybody's not going to believe. Like I said, some said Jesus had a devil. What they say about what did what did he say? John the Baptist come eating and drinking. What they say? Behold a gluttonous man in a wine bever, or was it reversed? I can't remember now. But anyway, they said John the Baptist had a devil, and they said Jesus had a devil. <laughs> so you ain't gonna please everybody, and everybody ain't gonna receive. But I'm telling you, we at the door of a baptism of the Holy Ghost in tongues of fire that's going to go beyond what Philip Pentecost because it's going to be a more mature measure. It's going to be a more mature measure. And I want to be ready. Do you want to be ready? Do you feel like God's hands on your life? You feel like God's called you for something? feel like the Lord is getting you ready for something I know I'm stepping outside the camera but I appreciate your spirit I really do and there is a purpose for your life I don't know what you've done in the past but you're fixing to do greater things in the future because this new move of the Holy Ghost is going to come to you God's going to baptize you in this I believe that because God's got a purpose for you Hallelujah. Those of y'all in here that said in this teaching, some of y'all know you're called. You know you God, God's got a purpose for you. Put your hand to the plow. Get ready. Because, see, when I preach like this and preach the way I preached, and I've warned you and told you and talked to you and you don't do it, ain't God's fault. Ain't God's fault. It's your fault. So let's take this word today. Let's see some fruit come out of it. Amen. Let's see some fruit come out of it. Don't be so prideful that you think you got all there is in God to get. That's what messes people up. And if y'all want our address for our YouTube channel, we can get it to you. I think there's five prophecies on there right now. And then I preached yesterday on this right here. But the Lord took me a little bit different. I can preach the same message five times and preach five different messages. (laughs) Depending on how the Spirit moves. So, they do you good to go listen to them. Do you good to go listen to them. Let God stir your spirit up. That God stir up your hunger. But I've never been one 
And I've always made this statement. If you can show me where I'm wrong in the Word, and I can pray about it, and God will reveal it to me. I won't preach it no more. I've never been so dogmatic that I couldn't listen, couldn't hear, couldn't receive instruction. But I don't need somebody that's been saved six months come try to tell me I'm in error when I've been ministering 45 years. <laughs> but I've had some of them do it. I have. I have one young man. He loves God and and he just gung-ho to preach and I've tried to give him some counsel, tried to slow him down. I said, you just keep going anywhere to preach, anywhere the door opens. I said, somewhere you're going to get yourself in a mess. I said, I learned years ago to be led by the Spirit of God where I go preach. And how I learned, I got myself in some messes. I know y'all heard that song about Wendy Bagwell when he wrote that Rattlesnake song. And they got up there in them Kentucky mountains. And they was up there singing him. I'll never forget it. He said they had to run drop cords a half a mile to get electricity in the church. <laughs> but he said they was up there singing. He said, and they pulled them snakes out and got to hate. He didn't know a snake handling church. And said, um, said one of them dropped about a five-foot rattler right beside his foot. And he said, and I shouted. And he said, it wasn't in the spirit neither. <laughs> and he said, I looked at a lady named Geraldine. He said, I looked around at Geraldine said, where's the back door? She said, there ain't one. He said, well, where you reckon they want one made? So I've gotten some of them messes that I wished I'd have had back door and didn't, didn't have one and was about ready to make one because I didn't wait for the leadership of the Spirit of God. It takes time to mature. It takes time to learn. It takes time to grow. But when you got an elder that's been there, Take counsel. Take counsel. Amen. You appreciate the Lord. I appreciate y'all being so attentive and listening. But I feel like this word's very important. I feel like if you'll apply it to your life, it'll work something in you. Would you go to prayer with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask you to let this word find good ground. God, let it take root. Let the roots go down. Let the branches come up. Let it bring forth fruit, Master, fruit of your Spirit. I pray, God, that this is fell on good ears, fell on good eyes and an understanding heart. Let your will be done in every life that's in this place. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. I appreciate the Lord today. I don't, you know, when I was evangelizing, I used to have prayer line every night. Sorry, my tank got empty. I used to have a prayer line every night. The Lord spoke to me one time and said, if you'd wait for the leadership of my spirit, he said, you minister to people. He said, you'd, he said everybody you minister to would get healed. I said, but Lord, I said, I pray for people 
in, in faith. And I said, there's a lot of people I've prayed for that I know they got helped you didn't deal with me about. And so I've got to where I don't offer prayer as much since I've started pastoring. But if there's anybody here you need prayer, you got sickness in your body, you got something you want God to, uh, I'll pray the prayer of faith for you. Because I believe in the prayer of faith. I believe in the laying on of hands. I believe in it. And I've seen God help people. Amen. Have y'all enjoyed this service today? I pray it's been good to you. Okay. All right. Anyone need prayer? Or if you don't, I'm gonna I'm gonna change the order of the service. And I'm gonna ask you today, uh those of you that are members here, honor the Lord with your tithe. Those of you that come, if you want to give and help us, it's greatly appreciated. Now, I do offerings a little bit different. I'm going to put a bucket over here or a basket. That's for the church. And when the Lord sent me up here, I sold my business. I come completely off the job. And I'm living by faith, trusting God. So over here in this one, if you want to do something, help me and my wife. And we're fixing to be on the road all next week Mississippi uh, I'm going to be preaching four different places next week one in two in Alabama and two in Mississippi and a lady that we've, we're fixing to have the first meeting in her home she come my tent meeting in 1995 in Tupelo Mississippi seen the miracles and the deliverance she fell in love with this word and she has followed this preaching and this teaching she made me watching the live stream this morning we live stream and she watches a lot of them. Uh, we're going to be in her house Friday night. And she has been telling people. And she said she just come from two ladies' conferences yesterday that two different pastors' wives said they're coming, bringing people from their church. And she said one lady went on YouTube and watched one of the prophecies. And this is what the woman said. She said, it so moved me. She said, till I copied that prophecy and sent it to 43 people. She said, Brother Metter, you got people making commitments that's going to be coming from 100 miles away. She said, we are going to be standing room only. I said, thank you, Jesus. Because I hadn't been in that area and preached in 95 and 96. I had two great meetings in Tupelo, Mississippi. I preached all around Corinth. I preached in Oxford, Mississippi in 91. Had a great, great meeting in Oxford, Mississippi. I mean, several hundred people packed a tent out. Had great miracles, great deliverance. And there's people all in that area that know me from 20-plus years ago. Some of them are coming. I put an announcement out on Facebook. Man, it wasn't no time. I got three or four hits. People said, we're coming, we're coming, we're coming. Because they know me. They know how I preach. They know what I stand for. They know the power of God. You don't find people who preach a solid word much anymore. And it's got miracles and deliverance in their life. People hungry for something. So, we're going to be on the road. It's going to take expenses. If you can help us, it's greatly appreciated. If you can help the church, it's appreciated. But I do pray and hope. Those of you that attend here will honor the Lord in you giving. Would you stand? I'm just going to get you to come drop your offerings in. And...